0: Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the Kingdom of God. Now for today's sermon by Pastor Tim Brooks. Uh, Before I start, I just want to say, as Chloe already mentioned, we're just so proud of all the ministries, the outreach ministries of this church. Uh, Wednesday night, our performing arts group, Making Esther Come Alive, the costumes, uh, the pageantry of that was second to none. Uh, Just so grateful to y'all, so proud of all of our graduates, uh, sending our graduates out. It's just, it's great. Thank you for making all of this possible uh, with your commitment to this church. Uh, It's just, it's wonderful to watch this happen. Uh, Also, I want to mention, don't miss this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Do not miss Uh, Bubba Miller, a pastor friend of ours. Pastors branded for Christ Church in Huntsville, Texas. He's also the rodeo coach for Sam Houston State University, always in the top in the nation with their rodeo team. Those that you that know Bubba, you know Wednesday night's going to be a real deal. So you don't want to miss Wednesday night to hear Bubba give his testimony and share with us at seven o'clock. You're going to enjoy that. Uh, I, I, I just I don't know. I'm just so grateful today. Uh, our our I want to welcome all of you who are joining us on social media. We are thrilled to have you, the thousands and thousands that are now joining us. We're, we're glad to have you, and I, I want you and all of you here in the auditorium today to know this doesn't just happen. Uh, Natalie told me this week, said, Pastor Tim, you do know that it takes between 22 and 25 people for us to have church. Uh, And I remember when Paul and I would do it, I'd turn the sound on and walk up and start preaching. If the air wasn't good, I'd just say, hold on a minute and run back and change it. And to have 25 people, all these guys working so hard at cameras, Noah, uh, Rhett, Natalie, y'all have taken our camera work. Uh, I don't even know who's working the switcher back there, but switching to all those cameras Thank you, thank you for all of you who are working to make this happen. Since the beginning of time, there has been a pursuit of all mankind to understand God. We want to understand God. The problem in that is man is finite, he's limited, and we're understanding a God who is infinite, unlimited, omnipresent and that's hard for us to wrap our minds around absolutely there are many many things we can know about God and we need to know about God you need to spend your life knowing and learning about God knowing God more and more knowing how he thinks knowing how he works knowing who God is we need to know God yet at the same time we live our whole life knowing there's a limit to that you, you've got to live your life knowing there are some things about an eternal, unlimited, uh, uh, unimaginable God. There's, there's some things that you're not going to be able to understand. We are all in time, and we're understanding and looking to a God that's in eternity. The title of today's message is Us in Time, God in Eternity. The minute something drops into the realm of earth, it picks up time. Earth revolves day and night, creating hours in the day. Man did not create time. Man has nothing to do with time's existence. Man doesn't control time. All we did is that some years back drove a stick in the ground and started observing the shadow that it made was patterned. And so we put some numbers around that circle so that we could track and follow that time period. But time is in operation whether you have a clock or not. Whether your watch has batteries in it or not, time is in operation. If we were back in the 70s, I was thinking about writing a song. Time keeps on ticking, ticking, ticking. And Y'all don't have a clue what I'm talking about. You don't have a clue what I'm all you young people sitting over there. Some of us took you right back 50 years ago. You remember where you were at the Y team dance time? One of the topics that Jesus talked most about was time. It's not my time. It's not time. The time has not come. Only the Father knows the time. My time is at hand according to the time. As a matter of fact, if you look up the word time in the concordance, it doesn't list it because there are so many scriptures where we talk about time in the Bible. You got to go to the appendix and it just gives numbers. It just more scriptures in the concordance can, can list where Jesus talked about time. When time of the fruit draws near, from that time forth, the time had come. In due time, Christ died. It's time to awake. Judge nothing before the time. On and on and on, I could read Scripture today. Our lives, from start to finish, revolve around time. And all, whether you know this or not, think about it, all of our conversation, all of our conversation, all of our thinking revolves around being time-centered. How old are you? How long have you lived here? How long have you been working there? How long have you been married? How soon will this job be finished? How many years of school do you have left? What time is it? What time do I pick you up? What time do I need to drop you off? What time does it start? What time does it end? How long will it take? See, the time, it, it can, it, it's in our whole thinking process in everything we do. You're aware that the time something happens is very significant. Even the right thing at the wrong time can be very bad. The parents of a happily married daughter, thrilled when she announces her pregnancy. The parents of an unwed 15-year-old daughter, not so much about the very same event. Some things need to happen before other things happen In a sequence of time, life is all about time. Time is often fought against. I don't want this event to be over, so I just keep on and keep on when it's over. It's over, time for you to go home. It's my bedtime, I start flashing the lights. (laughs) I wish this event would hurry up and get here. I just can't wait for next Friday. It's gonna be so, I I wish this, thousand one, thousand two. 2003, click, click, tick, tick, tick. And there's nothing you can do about that. You can't slow it up. You can't speed it up. Now, you can learn to work within it or it will create stress, hurry, pressure all of your life. The minute you're born, you enter in earth. You enter into a realm of time. The meeting starts at 7 That's when I said it's going to start, so it's going to start at 7. Not at 7.02, not at 7.07. It starts at 7. And some can't manage that in their life. And when you refuse to acknowledge or work with time, you create stress, pressure, aggravation for yourself and for everybody around you. See, you're going to do one more thing. I'm just going to do one more thing. I'm going to make one more call. I'm going to do one more thing before I leave. Now it's 6.30, and your 35-minute drive to an appointment that you have to be there at 7. So now you're flying through your closet and not in your stomach. You're going to eat supper in your lap. You're grabbing. You're snatching. You get there at 7.15, and you're 15 minutes late. And everybody knows you're late everywhere you go and your life is full of stress and you live this way because you refuse to understand time and work with it. I have an event tonight at seven. That means I stop what I'm doing at five because I got to get in the shower, I got to get dressed. I have to eat supper. Then I've got to drive. It's a 25-minute drive there. And with the construction down here at Fountain Lake School and the construction here at the top of the hill, it's probably going to tie me up. I don't want to be sitting in that line like this trying to get there, so I stop what I'm doing at 5 to get ready to be there 30 minutes early so I don't have to eat Tums all the way there. You'll understand time. Your day starts at 6 a.m. and you're late. You're in stress because you can't tell time. You have a 9 o'clock appointment. It's 7 now. you got to stop what you're doing to be there at 9. See, you can't do what you're jumping into in the amount of time that you got left before you told somebody you would be there there. Hello, heart attack, stroke, ulcer. Good day, nervous breakdown. Have 911 on speed dial because I'm headed that way quick because I can't tell time. Keep the Rolaids close. You refuse to work within time. And God created us to follow him on a time schedule. Jesus understood this. Jesus understood his earth walk in time. The minute something drops into the realm of earth, it picks up time. Earth revolving. Day and night, night and day. And you know. She's gonna be late, don't depend on her. You know this event won't start when they say it will because those people can't tell time. There are people who refuse to understand time. Buying a house is a great thing, just not your time yet. Buying a brand new car, there's nothing better than driving a brand new car. I like it if you buy two of them. Buy one for today and one for tomorrow, get two. Bre- it's just not your time, it's not time for you to drive a brand new car. Nothing wrong with a new car. It's not time for you to drive a new car. Church, God created time. And he never expects you not to live within time constraints. Jesus is always our example. We study Jesus and get our example about everything we do in life. And his entire earth walk was centered around time. Jesus, time governed is every step. It's not my time. The time has come. The time has not come. My time is at hand. You will know when the time draws near. When you read Jesus, the disciples were always trying to get him to go somewhere or do something or say something or step up and do that. And Jesus would say, it's not my time. It's not time for that. Or Jesus would say, the time is now. Let's go. So our lives are lived in peace, in joy, fulfilling what God's called us to do when we learn early in life to tell time. And it's just so sad. So many adults can't tell time. I told someone I'd meet them for lunch at 12 o'clock. That limits what I'm going to do up until 12. 12. At 11, I got to stop doing what I'm doing. At 11:15, at tw- I need to know how long of a drive is it before I get there because I gave my word and I said I would be there at 12. Then I've got to limit what I'm doing between there and 12 o'clock. I don't have any place to be today. I don't have one place to be today. So I make everybody mad and frustrate everybody because I put them on my time schedule when they do have somewhere to be. They do have something to do. They did tell somebody they would be. I have Paul in my office often. We talk what needs to happen, what's gonna happen, sharing vision with him, what I wanna accomplish, the direction I wanna go. But before my conversation starts, I have to say, Paul, do you have class? Do you need to go and get ready for your class? See, I have all the time in the world. I don't do anything around here and Paul works. So he thinks. I ain't got time to sit in your office and visit all day and drink coffee. I got a job here. Well, I happen to be in a position where I don't do anything here and I can just visit all day with Josh. But because I've got all morning to talk and visit and share and cast vision, doesn't mean they do. So I got to say, have you made a commitment at 12? Are you having lunch with somebody? Where do you need to be today? What are you doing? Because that will limit what I do when I'm with them. You got to be aware that your time schedule is not everybody's time schedule and not everybody can do what you're doing. Time limits what we do. It controls what we do. It makes direction to what we do and no sense in making yourself mad and stressful about it. Ecclesiastes 3.1, there is a time for everything. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. When we are in heaven, Ecclesiastes 3.1 won't pertain to us. But right now, we are under heaven, so you've got to understand, there is a starting time and an ending time. There is a time to do this. There's a time not to do that. It's being married's great. It's just not your time to get married. That's not the time. Having a kid is great. It's not the time. Buying this, going here, starting that, moving here. You've got to understand God has a time frame in this earth that he works in. Don't overschedule. Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, okay, I'll be, be careful. Be careful. Don't schedule. Don't overbook. Don't overplan because you lead yourself into stress, into worry, into nervous tension, into nervous breakdown. And then husbands and wives, family members start snapping. Teenagers are snapping. Parents are snatched. Y- y'all shouldn't be de- y'all talking like this. If you would have just stopped what you were doing 30 minutes ago, everybody got in the car, you'd have a peaceful ride here. You got to learn to tell time. Jesus' entire example was giving us time. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but at 12 years old, Jesus was in the temple debating with the rabbis. He knew who he was. He understood there was a call on his life and he made cabinets. He worked in a carpenter shop for 30 years. You young people try that on for size because you've got to go and you've got to do this and you've got to do that. That's great 30 years from now. Right now, you get in there and saw those boards, sweep that sawdust, saw those boards, sweep that sawdust, only for 30 more years before you get into all that God has for you. We're gonna to have to learn how to tell time. That was a very long drawn out introduction to the sermon today. At this point in this oration, I want to move toward the meat of this sermon. <laughs> Time starts the minute you were born. Time ends the minute you die. Time is a brief part of our existence. Time is a temporary interruption into eternity. Here's the problem, and here's what we're going to talk about today. Right now, your prayer is only, I hope his sermon isn't longer than his introduction. Here's the problem that we all deal with. God, why did this happen? God, where were you when this happened? God, why did you let this happen? I can't serve a God who would let something like this happen I thought I could trust you, and clearly I can't. We can't grasp because God is eternal. God sees the beginning from the end, and God exists outside of time. Now we gotta see this because God is eternal, and he's not limited by time, We often think that we are more spiritual when we refuse to limit ourselves with time and you couldn't be more wrong. You're not more spiritual when you refuse time because God placed us in a time zone. For this temporary part of our life, God's not against time. God created time for us to operate. All things happen according to his time. Until we understand this, we're going to completely misunderstand God's purpose. And we will think God is slow. We will think God is late. And we'll think God missed it. See, Isaiah 55 says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And the reason God's thoughts are not our thoughts is because he can see the beginning from the end and we don't have that perspective. He is eternal. He's not under the time constraints that we are. Our day is 24 hours. 2 Peter 3, 8. God's day is as a thousand years. And that makes a big difference and you thinking God is slow, God is late, or God missed this. Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. This isn't beautiful in the wrong time. God's made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of man yet they can't fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. Eternity is in our hearts, but you can't get it. He has placed it in in our hearts. We have a heart for eternity, but you can't understand it because you and I are placed in time. I read years ago, God doesn't measure life by the duration of it. He measures it by your donation to it. You know, for someone to say at a funeral, he lived a long, good life, may or may not be true. To God, a good life is not measured in length. It's measured in well done. God sees life as a purpose, not as a length of time. God sees life as meaningless unless you are fulfilling a purpose. Years and years ago, I read this, and it's really affected me. A man was driving a visitor around town, cutting through some back roads. He said, I'm so sorry about this winding road, but we can save five minutes by going this way. To which the visitor said, and what will we do with the five minutes that we saved? Have you ever thought about that when you're running through a yellow light, trying to beat it before it gets red? And it's hot pink as you went under it. <laughs> Saving five minutes on the drive is meaningless if something meaningful is not done with the five minutes that you saved. Life is not just time-driven. Life is purpose-driven in the time that we have. And running through life with time deadlines, time schedules, and timed events is meaningless unless you have it purpose cooking supper to cook supper again to cook supper again to cook supper again to cook supper again becomes meaningless unless you realize I'm showing love. I'm showing faithfulness. I'm teaching consistency to a family. I'm bringing stability to our home. When you see a purpose to what you're doing, your time teaching a class is just a job unless you see a purpose of preparing students to fulfill the call of God that's on their life. You're a home builder and it's meaningless. You're building a home that's going to eventually rot down unless you see I'm building a place for lives to be born and developed and grow some young person will get saved around the coffee table of this living room. See, playing ball or coaching ball or all of the activities that we do for a win-loss record is meaningless unless you see your time in the gym and developing character and building biblical thinking about life and you've got an eternal perspective about what we're doing. Our time is meaningless without an eternal perspective. I want you to know we are limited by time and peace comes when you accept that, and you live in submission to time. Here is the time we have for this activity. And I want you to know we're following a God who is eternal, who sees the beginning from the end, and you can't possibly know why to every question. Why did this happen? Get back with me in 150 years. Then I might can tell you. Terry and I just came back from a trip with David and Cheryl Barton. The four of us went to Plymouth. And we stood right where the pilgrims landed. We went aboard Mayflower 2. It's an exact replica of the ship that brought 102 pilgrims over here. We stood underneath that deck where 102 sat on the floor, side by side by side, those waves crashing for 66 days, 102 people uh, in the belly of that ship, side by side. You think about all of the personal deals that you got to deal with during your day, and you're sitting side by side. And I found out that two women in the belly of that ship gave birth during those 66 days, side by side, 102 people. We walked the grassy area, the very area, and I just stared at the ground where the pilgrims and the Indians celebrated the very first Thanksgiving. I stood right there. We went to Boston and we stood in the building that John Adams talked in. We went to several churches, I stood right at the podium where Adams said to the congregation, we can't continue under this rule of taxing and taxing and more taxing and more taxing and more pressure and more, we we can't continue this. We stood on the bank where the Boston Tea Party happened, right there. I stood in the very place where the Boston Massacre took place, where soldiers fired into the crowd, killing colonists. I stood right there. We went to Paul Revere's house. He's still standing. Went right in his house. I couldn't find a horse to ride, so we just got in the car. I wanted to yell out the window. They're coming, they're coming. Car was the best I could do. We drove the ride that he made to tell Hancock and Adams. We went to the house that Hancock and Adams were in when Paul Revere rode up and said, the army's coming to take away our guns, to take away our ammunition. They're coming. They're on the road And they're headed this way. Y'all got to leave. We went to the churches where pastors prepared their congregation for what's ahead. We stood at the bridge. And on this side of that little wooden bridge was the colonist. On this side of that little wooden bridge was the army, the soldiers. And we stood right there where the shot was fired that was heard around the world. We went to a number of cemeteries. And I saw where famous people were buried. And I can't just stand there and look. If I'm watching a movie, I put myself in that place. And as I stood there, I couldn't be Tim Brooks in 2023. I had to be the dad of that 14-year-old boy that was carrying gunpowder. and As I stood at that grave where a 14-year-old boy was buried, and that was my son, that was my Brother, that was my sister. I looked up and I said, God, why? Why did this have to happen? God, I thought you were with me. I was in church Sunday and we just prayed for safety and protection for our family. I stood at John Hancock's grave and I thought, I'm standing here, but so was a mama. So was a brother. So was a sister. I'm standing right here at this grave, and these were not famous people. They weren't famous people. God, where are you? Why did you let this happen? For a week, Terry and I stood at places that in that time, in that moment, was a tragic, senseless loss from their perspective because that's all they could see. We stood in three or four different cemeteries full of war deaths. We stood at their graves and all I could think about was a mom standing right where my feet are standing saying, God, where are you? Why'd you let this happen? Why did our family go through this? If you were a good God, then you wouldn't have let this happen. God, I can't trust you. I can't trust you. I'm not going to follow a God that would let this happen. God, you must not be real. I'm standing at these graves and I'm thinking 247 years later, Terry and I live in America. We don't have a king in rulership over us. She and I are free to worship. We're not told the church that we have to belong to. We're free to work. I work at whatever job I want to work. We're free to raise our family. We're in America. Terry and I have the right to bear arms. God ordained, God's hand. We watched one miracle after another unfold. And standing in that cemetery, looking at Samuel Adams, John Hancock's grave, all I could do is say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. We're at a grave, and the names of the people that are all buried in that grave are on that tombstone. And it was all those that died the very first winter they got off of that Mayflower. And all I could do is stand at that grave and I was overwhelmed with God. You told us to get on that boat. God, you laid it on our heart to come to this country. God, I followed you. I walked away from everything that I had in my life. I got on that boat and I followed you with my whole heart and my wife and my two daughters are now dead. All I could think about was from their perspective how senseless could this possibly be and then I would click back into my time frame God, I'm so grateful to you I'm grateful to you and I'm thinking you're crying, you're mad at God you're bitter at God you're questioning God but 200 And 47 years later, there will be somebody standing here crying saying, God, I'm so grateful to you. I'm so grateful to you. I appreciate you more than I can possibly say. Thank you for the life I've lived in America. Thank you for the money that I have in my pocket. Thank you for the safety that I've enjoyed, thank you for the freedoms that I have been able to raise my family under. And all I could think of 247 years later, it makes sense. But 247 years ago, you had to have lived by faith. You had to have totally trusted God and lived by faith. Why did this happen? They'd had no idea. This year our church is learning to live by faith. And the reason the Bible tells us over and over and over, the followers of Jesus, the children of God, will have to live their life by faith because we are limited by time and God is eternal. We have to live by faith. I can't see how this was okay. I can't see how this was good and I can't see how this was right. All this is is hurt, devastation, and a broken heart. That's what you've left God. You're going to have to live by faith. And trust a God who lives in eternity. My wife, Terry, grew up in her school. All of her best friends. And for a girl, that is all life is. Is your BFFs. For a guy, if we take them or leave them, I just soon leave them. But all of her best friends she grew up with. She had a boyfriend. She was madly in love with him. And the summer out of her 11th grade year, her parents took her out of that school, moved her to Hot Springs, and placed her for her senior year in a school where she knew nobody. It doesn't get any worse. That's as tragic as it can possibly be. September, school started. In November, she was in third period psychology class. And a guy with long hair, a red bandana, walked across to sharpen his pencil. He was the man of every woman's dream. And as he's sharpening his pencil, he looked over at her. She couldn't possibly know the devastation that that move created in her life. 45 years later, she's still with the heartthrob of the entire high school. 200 years from now, it may be clear why God did what he did. Had this family not moved, crushed these kids, had this one not died, had this job not closed, had this plant not sold out, had your business not gone completely under, how you had to move here, how this disaster hit your family, how this happened. Church, God sees from a perspective today that you can't possibly see. We're in time, and God is in eternity. The only way to live life going through all we go through is you have to live by faith. You have to live your life trusting God. God, I don't know why. I can't know why 200 years from now. I pray this is a blessing. I pray this is an integral Part of your divine plan. This year, we as a church are focusing on living our lives by faith. And this has got to be more than a Sunday morning sermon for us. It's got to be the way we live. Because we are in time. And God is in eternity. Y'all stand. Lord, today, from our... Limited time constraint perspective. We want to know all we can know about you. We want to understand all we can understand about you. But God, today, and all of those questions of why, the areas of our life that don't make any sense, the areas of our life that have been very hurtful, very devastating, and very difficult. We turn those over to you and we say, take what was meant for our destruction and turn that into good for another generation that will precede me. Today, Lord, I honor you in Jesus' name, amen. God bless y'all. Have a great week. Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. My name is Josh Barnett. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God.